Star Tribune's Prep Sports Podcast is brought to you by Becker Furniture World, Franzen Bank and Trust, Menards, and Carrier. Hey, thanks for joining us. I'm Jim Paulson with Star Tribune, along with my esteemed and distinguished colleague, David LeVake, for another of Talking Preps. There's a lot the preps to talk about uh today um we've got football we've got soccer we've got some section finals going on um but uh, as we're recording this david um the first thing we should maybe talk about is the uh uh the um death of a, and passing of a of a legend yeah godspeed bob mcdonald yeah yeah he was the uh the winningest boys basketball coach in state history uh, only Minnesota high school basketball coach to top a thousand victories. And I think last I looked, he was 18th on the list among boys coaches nationally for uh, uh, victories. That's 1,012 and highly successful coach. I think he uh, was a member of at least five halls of fame, um, the high school league hall of fame, the basketball coaches hall of fame, the Minnesota high school basketball hall of fame, and then a couple of others. I think there's one for Duluth and one for the uh, University of Minnesota Duluth. Well known for having teams that were disciplined, that played up-tempo basketball, particularly at a time when he started back in the early 60s when that was not um, the standard for, uh, particularly uh, up on the range for playing that run-and-gun type of basketball. Um, And also for the discipline he he demanded of his players on the court, they all wore um, kind of short hair above the ears, uh, kind of a buzz cut style haircuts. Uh, they all wore suits and ties on the road. Um, they never, ever got uh, technical fouls. Uh, that was that was a no-no under Bob McDonald. And they played winning, winning basketball. So uh, that, that's uh, that's the passing of a uh, of, uh, of, uh, real Minnesota basketball legend. I want to hear you tell the people what you told us off air. I love this stuff, too. <laughs> well, I remember when I was growing up, and watching um, Chisholm on TV. And again, they had uh, a unique way and a unique look about them. When I was, you know, in the 1980s, I remember them being in a state tournament and watching them on TV and thinking, gosh, those guys have to wear buzz cuts. That looks awful. Back in the 80s, nobody had buzz cuts. That was that was the geekiest thing you could do. And these poor kids had to be saddled with this hard-nosed, demanding coach. I remember thinking to myself, Boy, I'm glad I'm not playing for him. And now I look and say, well, except for they're in the state tournament, the state championships and being successful. But that doesn't matter. It's more about how you look. Um, into the 90s, they were still wearing those high socks um, up to the top, up to your knee when that hadn't been done for more than a decade. Um, so there, there were definitely, uh, uh, there's definitely a coach that wanted to do things his way. Um, but obviously it, it uh, paid off when you win a thousand games. And I think they named the court at Chisholm, the little bandbox court at Chisholm uh, after him, Bob McDonald court, not the gym. The gym was named for a former athletic director, um, but the court itself is named for Bob McDonald. So I'd like to correct you on the uh, hairstyles of the eighties. Chris Mullen, I think was representing the, uh, the look you're describing the great, the great, the uh, the old city. Yeah. For a while. And then it grew out. I think I, I think he had longer hair when he was playing for St. John's. 
I think he cut it when he got on and started playing for Golden State. Got it. So, and that is the extent of David's basketball knowledge. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been exposed. I could go all day with you on the dream team, my friend. But uh, but no, uh, Bob McDonald is one of those names that uh, and, and has put together one of those careers and touched the amount of lives where if you are in any way in the realm of Minnesota sports, you know that name, you know what it means, you know uh, everything that he's done and, and the value that he's brought to so many generations of players. And he's got a, a legacy too. He's I think he had six children that, went, that were all – uh, involved in basketball and a few that were coaching. Um, I know that uh, I think Mike Donald is still the head coach at uh, Cambridge a team that also plays up-tempo three-point kind of shooting basketball. Now I'm not sure if Mike is his son or grandson. Can't say that for sure, but he's part of the McDonald legacy. Now, and then Joel McDonald and, and uh, some of the other McDonald's. So it's, it's uh, definitely a family tree, definitely a lot of, of coaching limbs on that Bob McDonald tree. Moving on. David, you had a big soccer story this week. Um, the soccer coaches posed a state tournament um, because everybody wants a state tournament uh, in their sport, but they got, uh, it sounds like, summarily shot down by the uh, Minnesota State High School League, and it doesn't seem like it's sitting well with a lot of those soccer coaches. Can you explain a little bit? Well, yeah, and I, I think that you know I, I saw it as a blog for for Tuesday morning, and it and it grew it and it, and it it drew a lot more eyeballs than I would have expected, given the, you know, soccer certainly played by a lot of people throughout the state, but it's one of those you know it's it trails football and volleyball by more than a little bit in terms of things like state tournament attendance. So you know, I just thought, hey, uh, put this out there. But what I think is what you've got soccer people who are generally concerned, but you also have people who are getting tired uh, and expressing their concerns about this steady stream of, sorry, can't do it. Sorry, can't do it. And they are pointing out uh, what they feel are inconsistencies in the way the high school league is applying its rationale, um, you know, and, and are saying, Hey, you know, we can have these section tournaments sanctioned by the high school league that could involve uh, teams from Duluth, Rochester, Brainerd, uh, driving to the cities or teams from the cities driving to them. And to, to say that it, one of the, uh, the uh, factors to not have a, a state tournament uh, you know, is that is travel is a concern. And they said that just doesn't, you know, people are ex expressing that, that that just doesn't hold water with them. And, uh, and that's, so I think you know, they're concerned about the soccer, but also about that bigger picture of, of organizational control and application of rules. You know, I think what appears to me to be happening is that we have a growing body of data and evidence that what the Department of Health and the, uh, the high school league, and I, and I want to say the Minnesota Youth Athletic Services, they came to agreements on how to mitigate the spread of COVID but again, now we're seeing in practice that some of those restrictive uh, measures may not be all that necessary. Um, that there are some issues where I, uh, an athletic director yesterday tell me that uh, he wasn't sure that the two games a week uh, limits really makes a whole lot of sense too. And that puts unnecessarily pressure on having to schedule games. Um, and so there are some of these, these limits some of these guidelines that the high school league has uh, installed that a lot of people are looking at and say, well, now that we've 
found a way to function and um, follow procedures and protocols and keep kids safe, do we really need to be that restrictive? And, and uh, I think that's what a lot of the people are, are concerned about and basically saying what you were saying. So the, yeah, I agree. And the plan that was uh, put out there involved having uh, the, you know, host sites in the Metro, I think it's Stillwater, uh, Hill Murray, Blake, and Edina, all turf sites have the, have the games there. They, they laid out uh, brackets for boys and girls in both class A and class AA. They have uh, mentioned that they will be following the protocols uh, in place in terms of safety and, and limited crowds and no concessions and, you know, everything that they've been asked to do and have done successfully uh, all year long. And uh, they said, we will charge 10 to $15 per ticket. So, you know, this will be a, a you know, self-sustaining event because one of the reasons that the high school league voted against their own super regional concept was the idea of, of you know, money and, and taking a loss at a time when the high school league is, is facing uh, you know, a ton of uh, financial challenges. So they seem to check all the boxes and then to have a letter come back from Eric Martins, the executive director of the high school league that said, well, you know, we're still concerned about the Minnesota department of health and, and mitigating travel. That just didn't sit well. And so the, the update now here on uh, Wednesday morning is that those same soccer coaches have submitted a letter straight to the Minnesota Department of Health leadership. And reading from the letter, uh, they make the point, quote, that there is no material difference in risk between section playoffs and a state tournament. In Minnesota, this fall, an estimated 4,500 varsity athletes played close to 3,000 games without incident. So the fight continues. You know, there's a couple of questions that come to my mind right away that I want to ask. Well, when they talked about, uh, you said charging 10 to $15 per ticket, were they looking for unlimited attendance or were they willing to restrict it to 250 It was going to be restricted. You know, okay. they were going to follow. Again, that's part of their frustration is, you know, we're doing everything you've asked us to do all year long. We're, we're not asking for anything different once you get into the stadium. We know that the restrictions that are there and, and are, are probably the reason that they can sit and say we've had all these games and, and without incident. So that wasn't anything they were challenging. They just simply want a culminating event. They want to be able to recognize the four state champions like we do traditionally. And they just, they just feel that uh, the, the, the rationale that the high school league is applying uh, just, just didn't work for them. And I also, then I also wonder about the idea of when they say that four sites, um, that, does that mean bringing multiple teams to a stadium? Because I know the Department of Health has tried to limit, you know, uh, having more uh, the amount of people at one site. And that, I think that was one of the major sticking points for a state tournament is to have so many different teams and players and fans gathering in one place. Were those plans going to be similar to the state tournament where you have all the teams in one class gathered together, you know, one right after another? Or were they going to limit one game per site? How, how are they going to work that out? Yeah, I, I don't have the, the bracket in front of me, sorry. Um, but I, I imagine that they would have, you know, come on in, watch your game, and then get out. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. I just, just kind of like probably what they were doing with uh, boys and girls uh, doubleheaders during the year. Um, so um, I'm just, yeah, I'm, I'm not able. I, I thought I could find the bracket that I wanted to, to reference, but I'm not seeing it. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, – 
Yeah, it's it's uh, it's a again, it's a, it's an issue that people are, are are hot about, and you know. Well, that's the, the one issue about the state tournaments that I that I thought that uh, that needed to be addressed. That the high school league I never really recognizes. You can have a state tournament without having it all at one site. You know, you could play games at home against higher seeds all the way through the brackets if you need to, and then maybe have a, uh, a neutral site championship game and still have have a state tournament bracket. Not the same feeling, obviously, but you play down to a state tournament final. Um, yeah, that's the one area I've, I've I've kind of questioned is the need to have a state tournament all at one site. I know you want to have the the pomp and circumstance and and you know of being a a state tournament and to feel like a state tournament. But I think most kids would worry about playing down to being a state champion rather than how it's being played down and not no, not having a state tournament. So. Well, I got that proposed bracket for double A girls, for example. They have games at you know, if this this was at Edina, for example, you know, games on Tuesday, the twenty seventh of October at five PM and seven thirty PM. Again, it doesn't lay every bit of logistics out here, but my guess is they would uh, you know come support your team and then get out and then we'll bring the next group in. I wonder if so, I would I would I would personally if I was a tribe in house, I'd I'd look at it probably more favorably if there's more time between games. Five and seven thirty. Yeah, oh, yeah, you're right. I mean, yeah, it'd be nice to have a little bit more buffer, certainly. But, uh, but again, those are things that you know come back with with that, and rather than just you know just a hard a no. And yeah, it's that's that, at least that's you know the coach's frustration. So we'll see. I don't know if this is going to move the needle. I think we're going to have a fall without tournaments. But I also think that you know someone asked me, well, do you think there's going to be a lawsuit? Yeah, probably. <laughs> you yep. know, if, if people have asked, "What's your workday like now that there, you know, hasn't been as many sports?" I said, "It's it's meetings, it's discussions, it's decisions, and it's lawsuits. That's the cycle." <laughs> There's already a lawsuit out there, and yeah, so there will be lawsuits. There have been lawsuits, and uh, and and you don't think this will happen? Come foot, you know, when we get closer to the football, it, it, it will, it will. Yeah. I mean, this is this I, is going to continue. Yeah, I I think that there's going to be enough backlash after what yes. happens sports that you are not going to see a, a similar thing happen in the, in the winter sports the high school no. have to find a way to the needle, the needle will have to move absolutely well and, and it's fracturing it's actually fracturing the sport for the league too um the, that i've never seen a, such a backlash since uh, against the league as i've seen recently now a lot of it is petulance and a lot of it is, is people that just want their own way but the truth of the matter is the high school league uh, is, is in danger of possibly um, eroding a lot of the support it has with how process, and I think they better recognize that. I think they better recognize that soon because they might be doing the right thing in their minds, but you know, if, if they're trying to crumble the foundation of everything they've done over the years, that's that's not uh, um, what they want to see happen to their support either. Correct. So, uh, football coming up this week. Dave, you want to talk about your football experiences last week? Or- to what football is going to be like this week well you know we we both went out last week at the games and we wrote about the differences in football 2020 and and they were about what we expected and and i don't think we shook anybody with with any new discoveries uh you didn't have bands you might have had cheerleaders uh you had masks uh kids tried to do their best to separate on the sidelines uh parents did their best to separate uh, in the stands, we're limited to 250. I, you know, I, I was out there early at, at Champlain Park at Centennial, and I heard one of the assistant coaches from one of the teams 
say, you know, it just feels like a souped up 10th grade game. And, and I, and I understood what he meant exactly because yeah, the PA was going, he had some, some pregame music and yeah, you know, Minnesota prep spotlight with the great uh, Steve Thompson was up in the press box to, to stream the game. So you had some of those trappings of where it felt like a football Friday night, but then, you know, you just, you had a smaller crowds and, and uh, you know, it was just, yeah, it felt like something a little less than, but you know, good for the kids. I mean, they played their rear ends off, you know, <laughs> I had, I had a field uh, seat uh, provided by Centennial high school, which I appreciated. And, and I'd forgotten when, you know, how fast those guys are when you're right there at their level. And uh, Sean Shipman, the great running back from Champlain Park, scored a 69-yard touchdown. And he ran it toward the corner of the end zone where I was stationed. And you could hear him kind of that, that uh, 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 you know, as he's finishing his last few yards of running. And it's like, yeah, a lot more goes into this than you think when you're in the press box. <laughs> Yeah, and you're, uh, you're scrambling to get that laptop out of the way just in case there's a, you don't want to be uh, on anyone's videos. Watch the running back knock over the press guy over on the sideline here. Oh, I can take a hit, Jim Paulson. Well, yeah, yeah, okay. I'll wait and see it. Then you just, you just <laughs> this week, I'm waiting for him. I have it happen. So you said Steve Thompson was in the press box there. Is that what you're saying? Correct, yeah. Yeah. Thought nobody was allowed in press boxes. Well, people are allowed. They just, there can only be certain amounts of them. And, and, you know, we, as much as we would like to be there, we don't need to be there. It's hard to do a live stream from anywhere, but a press box setting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, well, I guess just, that's why I'm not, I'm, I'm talking about this this week. Last week, you're absolutely right. I thought the, uh, the emptiness kind of swallowed up the cheers a lot. I thought it, it's, they just kind of faded into the, into the, background and sounded like he said like a like a 10th grade game one of the coaches or one of the players said it sounded, felt, like a, felt like a jv game um i thought the interesting thing i thought was uh you know how when you see the ubiquitous pictures on the sidelines of the the offensive or defensive linemen sitting shoulder to shoulder on the sidelines you know taking a breather you know getting instruction from a coach you know, breathing heavy uh in that game in minnetonka they all had folding chairs at least six feet apart and I thought I thought it reminded me of, you know, giving kids a timeout. In a <laughs> well, you kids are being separated, and you know you're not allowed to communicate with each other, all sitting there by themselves. So yeah, it was uh, everything surrounding the white lines was different. Between the white lines, it was just business as usual. So yeah, for sure. However, for sure. it won't be quite as easy because I know you and I were both sitting outside last week. Was fine. It was a it was a pleasant evening. This week we've got yeah. game Thursday and Friday, and that whole press box issue is rearing its head because it's going to be in the 40s, probably the low 40s, both nights. Yeah, that that can be miserable. <laughs> so. I, I I anticipate dressing as if I was going to go ice fishing. That's my plan for for Thursday up at St. Michael Albertville when they take on defending 6A champ Wyzetta, as well as when I'm here in town to watch Stillwater play Woodbury on Friday. It's, um, it's going to be uh, dressing up and, and layered up and, and uh, you know, just hoping. That, yeah, I'm, uh, you know. I, I'm with you. I'll be at, uh, at Maple Grove for Blaine, Maple Grove and Blaine, and I'll be at uh, Cooper for Orono and Cooper in, in both situations be the, the same um, dressing warmly. Uh, the problem is your fingers get cold if you're trying to type on a laptop at the same time. Um, and that'll be, I, I don't know how much of that I will be doing monitoring the game, um, but we'll be there. It's our job. I don't think anyone's going to feel sorry for us. We're getting paid to watch football. So, you know, 
You got to do what you got to do. Yeah, this is the outdoor construction job I never wanted. That's what we get to start doing now. <laughs> and, you know, I've also noticed, and we should probably wrap it up here, but uh, one thing I wanted to get to is that we've still had a few games that have been canceled, and there have been some due to the COVID. Um, the COVID. <laughs> the Rona? I'm going to call it the COVID. You, you read about the COVID on the Google. <laughs> but it, it, it's you know, it's still happening. Chan Hassan and, and Chaska are. Uh, canceled, have a game canceled this week. Uh, I think Rosemount is still off, so they might get four games in this regular season. Um, so, and and you're seeing it happen more frequently, I think, than than you saw during soccer. I was talking with our fearless leader, Paul Clouda, about that and trying to figure out uh, what kind of reasons we have. Is it because football has bigger rosters? Is it because there's been a surge in COVID cases recently? Um, is it because football games are more high profile and when a game is canceled, we know about it? Uh, trying to put our finger on why it feels like, like there have been more cancellations because of COVID in recent weeks with football than we've known about in, uh, in other sports. Um, well, and to circle back to soccer, I mean, that's, you know, if you're the high school league or the Department of Health, you're looking at that too. And yeah, the soccer parents are passionate about wanting a state tournament. And yeah, they can reference those, those giant numbers of games and athletes that have been unscathed, but you know, you can't discount what's happening in football and, and you have to look at that, that total picture and the total picture is complicated. You have to look at what you want versus what is necessary. And I think not enough people are, are, uh, are making that distinction. Um, nobody wants this. Heck, I don't want to have to go out and wear a mask and sit outside, but you have to do what you have to do. Yeah, trying to be good citizens until this plague leaves us. Exactly. Well, I think that's about all we have for this week. I mean, we've got more, but we're going to wrap it up right here. Uh, thanks for joining us. Dave, thanks a lot for, uh, for enlightening us. And uh, we'll talk to you next week.